Hello, this is Megan from Megan Has a Childhood. This is episode 13 with an asterisk because, you know, we have the Lost Monsters Inc. episode or Monsters University. My apologies. Um, in this episode, we discussed The Good Dinosaur, which was probably our least favorite movie so far and might be ultimately our least favorite movie. Um, a little show note, I said something about a triceratops, not sure if it's accurate. I see conflicting sources on whether what I state is true or not. Um, if anybody is a paleontologist or whatever studies dinosaurs, let me know. Enjoy! I need to get into character. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for me? I'm ready for you. <laughs> You're not even going to get it. So stupid, Megan. First of all, I can't take you seriously with the way you look right now. <laughs> okay. 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 We're serious. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe in you. It's so stupid. It's not even <laughs> worth all this. <laughs> it's not even worth it. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Time, the ever-flowing river. Come with us now to a time before man when the river flowed through a newborn world and giants walked the earth. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it was worth that. That is the introduction to the Jurassic Park ride at <laughs> Universal Studios. And I literally had the Jurassic Park song in my head the entire time I was watching this movie. So I thought of that. And I wanted to say it. And so I did. It was the perfect. And now. And now it's over with, and now we're done. We can move on. We can move on. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that that's how this started. Thank you. So, this episode of Megan Has a Childhood is the good dinosaur. <laughs> so, the whole Jurassic Park introduction was not unprecedented, unwarranted. Unwarranted. Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing great today. That's fucking true. I had some some neighbor issues or tenant issues or whatever. People blasting music late last night and then they were playing their TV super loud at like four in the morning. I listen to my TV on like nine. The volume is at nine. I cannot stand when the TV is loud. Yeah, no. Neither can I. And, like, I could clearly hear the TV. Like, from... I'm pretty sure it's the people, like, underneath us. Uh. And I've never heard anybody's 
TV or music or anything before. We very rarely hear footsteps or anything. It must be a new... Do you think maybe someone new moved Yeah, in? I was going to say, it must yeah. be like a new tenant down there. Maybe the people that tried to break into your apartment. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> <sighs> How's your life going, Abby? Anything? Well, I feel like I had something to say at the beginning of this, but I don't remember. No, I don't remember. I saw a really cute baby at the grocery store today. Oh, my God, Megan. She was so cute. And she was in her mom's arms, but she was, like, facing me, and I was following her mom down the aisle. So you could see the baby? And she was... And you know how babies are. She was just, like, staring at me. Mm -hmm. And so I had my mask on, so I pulled my mask down a little bit, and I smiled at her, and she smiled so big at me. So then Mm -hmm. I kind of did one of the with my fingers, and she went... Oh, my God. And I was like... But her mom was on the phone, so I wanted to be like, ma'am, your baby's so cute, but I didn't want to interrupt her phone call. Yeah, pay attention to it. You got a you got a good one there. Yeah, so that made me really happy. That's um, good. Both of our brothers are having well their their respective partners are having children. <laughs> yes. Um nephews, our first nephews. Yep. So if it's ugly, I'm gonna be real upset. <laughs> if it's not as cute as that baby. I feel like I'm okay because I have cute nieces that, like, I always have those to go back to if this one isn't. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like this one will be a really, it'll be a good boy. Like, I just have a feeling it's going to be really well-behaved and, Mm -hmm. like, normal. Yeah. Also, um, his wife's sister has a boy. Like, it's just turning one, but it is one of the cutest baby boys he is one of the cutest baby boys that I have ever seen. So I'm like hoping that, you know, since we're a pretty cute family and they had a cute kid, like everything will line up. And... Your brother's wife is pretty. I mm-hmm. think, yeah. I think it all, yeah. it'll come out all right. Yeah. <laughs> Although he looked pretty rough as a baby there. Really? Yeah. He had a, like a super flat face and his forehead was really disproportionate to what it is now in a unfortunate hairline mm. he was he was rough for the beginning my brother was a really cute baby a really cute baby and i was a really cute baby my other so brother was hope. a very cute baby <laughs> well your brother really looks exactly like you so you would say well, that <laughs> he was cuter than i was though as a baby i'm pretty sure i've told you before that it makes me mad that he was the cutest of us now I'm definitely the hottest, so I guess it doesn't matter, but. So The Good Dinosaur. Yeah. That's the movie that yep. we watched. We did. Tell me a little bit about it, Meg. Well, let me tell you. So the little synopsis of it is in a world where dinosaurs and humans <laughs> live side by side. I don't know how to pronounce this dinosaur name, so I'm going to give it my best shot. And... Apatosaurus, named Arlo, makes an unlikely human friend. Apatosaurus? I thought he was like a brachy. Isn't it a brachiosaurus? I thought. Is there a difference? I don't know. I'm not well versed in dinosaur knowledge. Huh. Okay, continue. So whenever I think of dinosaurs, I think of Sean because he was obsessed with dinosaurs in the Jurassic Park. Sean is Sean is Megan's ex boyfriend. Yeah, Megan's first boyfriend. So that's like <laughs> I have such a like 
not negative, but just like unsettling reaction I'm, to dinosaurs. I'm very big on dinosaurs, and we'll get on get into that in a second. Okay. Um, but I'm a fan of dinosaurs. I'm a fan too. It's just I can't like get rid of that association because. Mm-hmm. He talked about it a lot. He had a lot of literature on dinosaurs in his room. You know, I always think of him when I... Think of... Yeah. <laughs> we don't even... We don't need to say it. Immediately you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. That was one of the funniest things that has happened. Oh. All I'm going to say is... Megan came across something on his computer once and mm-hmm. uh, immediately told <laughs> me and another girl. <laughs> After much reassurance that I would not say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Big no. But I was so upset that he wouldn't share that with me. I feel like you have to let your partner know all the weird shit. Why you were trying to hide it from me? I don't give a fuck. Well, he was, what, 18, 17, 18? I guess you can't blame him too much. Oh, well. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on. Back to the good dinosaur. Um, The good dinosaur premiered on November 10th in 2015 in Paris and was released in the United States on November 25th. Um, The little short that accompanied it was Sanjay's Super Team. And the film generated generally positive reviews from critics for its animation and themes, though its storytelling was not considered to be up to Pixar's standards. So it was um, Pixar's first box office bomb. Mm. More on that later, because I have lots of thoughts. Um, so one of the things that it's kind of accredited to is that it came out the same year as Inside Out. It was the only, mm-hmm. like, the only time they released two films in one year. Or the first time. They may have done it since, but... The Good Dinosaur was written by Bob Peterson, who also wrote Nemo and Up. Or wrote on Nemo and Up. Uh, Peter Son, who joined the Pixar team in 2000 in the art and story department. Uh, This was his first real writing credit. And also written by Eric Benson, who has written on some shorts, but really didn't have much beyond that. Uh, the movie was directed by Peter Son, and this was his first directing credit. Hmm. Hmm. The movie, so there was a lot of drama surrounding this. I love drama. Yeah. The movie was originally pitched by Bob Peterson in 2009, and at the time, Peter Son was just creating, like, the story and design for him. Um... Throughout the construction of the film, there were, like, a bunch of revisions done. One included a boy and his dog. One was, like, a father-son journey. And then one was a more community-based story. Um, After going through this process for some time, um, a lot of things happened. There was a lot of production issues. Uh, Pixar focused a lot on different, like, projects they were working on at that time and took time away from this. There were a lot of creative differences and like story problems that they couldn't work through. And during this, um, one of their like studios in Canada closed and they had to lay off a bunch of employees. So it delayed the production 
severely and just kind of like upturned the whole project. Um, its original like intended release date was May of 2014 and the original director Bob Peterson was removed from the project in the summer of 2013. Uh, on October 21st of 2014, Peterson was officially named the new director. Another one of the things that was completely changed was the, the cast of the film. It was originally set to include John Lithgow, Judy Greer, Bill Hader, Neil Patrick Harris, and Lucas Neff, but they were replaced because of like all of the different story changes that occurred throughout the production. That's a great cast. Judy Greer, I just want to say I love her. Love I love her. She's just super underrated yeah and of course bill Hader. we love bill Hader. we do love bill Hader. we do um the only original cast member to still be a part of the film was francis mcdormand i like a francis mcdormand yep yep we do i don't see too actually that's a lot i see a lot of stuff with her she chooses a lot of good projects anyway yep. i have a small birthday. is that all you have for the drama yeah that was that was the drama that sort of reminds me of a quote from Ron Swanson, which is like, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're not going to put all your effort into something, especially something so expensive like this and something that yeah. I think people will have like high expectations for, mm-hmm. then just delay it. Yeah. You know? <sighs> um. So the film opens with some asteroids out in space and some ominous music playing behind them. One of the asteroids is knocked out of the little asteroid belt or whatever you call it and starts heading towards Earth. Why did you have that look on your face? You looked so confused. Yeah, because I can hear noise coming from behind you. Oh, it's fucking Jacob turning in his chair. I just gave him an evil look if you didn't see that too. (laughs) Anyway... The asteroid belt. One of them gets knocked out of the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starts heading towards Earth. And it flashes to Earth and shows some dinosaurs just peacefully doing their dinosaur thing. And then it flashes back to the asteroid as it increases speed. Uh, flame comes out the end of it. And then it just buzzes right by the Earth. And let me say, I think that was the funniest part of the movie. It truly was. <laughs> I... I... I don't know. I just, a gag like that really gets me. Yeah. And they just like went back to eating or whatever, yeah. whatever they were doing. Um, and I also think it's a cool concept and it explains so much without explaining, mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah. what they need to explain. I also feel like this is one of those movies that's too much for children. And that is definitely something like it starts out, like would just go right over their heads, you know? Right. It definitely does have that. some like, elements that would keep a child's attention but i, I just, agree i just have a lot to say at the end during our discussion because okay. i just have a few ways where i think i just think if this movie were tweaked in multiple places and it's probably because of all the different directions probably. they went with it and all the different storylines yeah. yeah um so i didn't notice this when i watched it but apparently there's an easter egg here and one of the asteroids is shaped like the pizza planet truck I didn't notice it. It's a planet truck in like every Pixar movie. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in every Pixar movie. That that and uh, John Ratzenberger are in every. 
Pixar movie. I don't know. I'll have to look that up, but I think that's a thing. Wasn't it in Wally too? Didn't he like go mm-hmm. through the trunk or something? Yeah. But yeah, I um, I do like the overall concept of, of the movie off the bat. That like, what if dinos and humans shared the earth? Um, like, I wonder. It makes me wonder, like, if humans and dinosaurs did evolve together, like, would we even have survived? Probably not. They're so big. They would just, like, crush our houses and eat us. I don't know. I feel like that's a dangerous world to live in. Um, We'll find out when the new Jurassic Park movie comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, Speaking of, like, I'm a big fan of dinosaurs because I feel like they're just, like, a hop and skip away from dragons. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I accidentally typed dragons quite a few times when I was doing my notes. Um, I feel like I'll probably slip up and say dragon at some point throughout this. That's okay. Um, But, like, I feel like I'd be that idiot that goes to Jurassic World. And I say Jurassic World because, like, Jurassic Park has already happened. The shit already went down, and they reopened Jurassic World. And I'd be like, yeah, like, let's give it a shot. Like, <laughs> finally, finally my chance. Like, I'd still go after all the, after all that went down. Um, I want to see a dinosaur. And also, I love Jeff Goldblum. It is his birthday today. Happy 69th, oh, King. I love you. Um, you're it for me. I will not marry anyone unless I can marry you. I love you. <laughs> He's listening. Like, I know you're listening, Jeff. <laughs> of all he's the obscure kids. things. <laughs> he's got two little kids. Maybe he's maybe he's very interested in Disney animation these days. Maybe. I have uh oh I don't have it in my room anymore. I have a couple pillows with Jeff Goldblum's face on them. <laughs> just you know. All right. So then on the screen we see a transition that says a million years later. Um, and then we get the beautiful Pixar animation with all their landscapes beautiful. and backgrounds. That sh- and this is like, I would say, what is this like, like Western Northwestern United States? So I have, I'd say, I have Utah, Colorado. What are we talking? Let me get, let me get, yeah, Northern California, maybe. So, what else is over there? I don't know. Shut up, let me talk. North Dakota, South Dakota. That's not over there, but... Wyoming. Yeah, just keep uh, naming states. I'm trying to... I don't... What, you know Montana? What? Today, not today, this week at work, you may have seen it on my Instagram story. Um, my boss has been, like, super weird about, like, knowing more things this week so she's just been like looking up a bunch of that what that was about yeah she just like (laughs) has been looking up a bunch of random topics about like different conflicts throughout history and different um like civilizations throughout time and then went on a geography tangent and was like talking about how she doesn't know anything about the rest of the united states because she's always been on the west coast and hasn't really done much traveling outside of it so we did um a little competition to see who could name like locate the most states i only missed seven i was super impressed with myself and it was all the teeny tiny little northeast states that i really messed up but i was super impressed with myself 
I was first of all impressed that I remembered all 50 states. I didn't think I would be able to do that. I don't think I could. <laughs> I only know up to like the eyes of the song, you know, the little yep. Alabama. Once yeah, you get, I, I don't yeah. Um, yeah, I like couldn't remember New Hampshire for a while and Vermont and Connecticut. And then I was like, what am I missing? And then, yeah. I don't know that I could get New Hampshire. I think I could get Vermont. The only things I got, like. And Maryland, I probably couldn't get. I got Maryland and I got Maine. Maine's very easy. Yeah. My parents Maine's very easy. Maine. I got some, hold on. I have some new pins. They got me some. A lobster. Nice. And this is from, they went to Acadia National Park. Are you jealous? I am very jealous. They got you a pin for there before I could. Yes, I'm missing one. What the hell? Anytime I go to a new park, the first thing I do at the gift shop is look for a pin for you. That makes me feel special. And then this one's just like a welcome to Maine with a lobster. Nice. And then she got this fucking hideous lobster uh, magnet for our fridge. (laughs) It is like scary looking. (laughs) I feel like sea creatures are, are very, yeah, they're terrifying. They are. Sea creatures are really gross, and I think people who eat them, first of all, I don't care how delicious they are. It's so bad for the environment. Yeah. It's so bad. And, I like, I eat meat and stuff sometimes, but, like, I really can't justify all this ocean, ocean farming shit. And second of all, they're ugly. How do you eat something so ugly? This is a very anti-seafood podcast. Big time. Okay, anyway, we got off track. I'm sorry. It wouldn't be an episode if we didn't have pin talk, though, so. Pin talk. Pin talk with Abby. I don't have any good dinosaur pins, unfortunately. I don't know that I've ever really seen any good dinosaur merch. You know, one of the parks I've been to is, like, known for fossils and discoveries. I should have looked for one for you there. But I didn't, because I'm a terrible person. I'm pretty sure I have a pin for you there somewhere stored up with, like, the last 10 places I've been and I just haven't seen you or haven't remembered to give them to you um but anyway back to the nature and landscape of the film so these shots with the natural landscape were so realistic that many people thought that they were cgi'd into the movie like they thought they were actual like clips from nature that they just put like the dinosaurs in on And the landscapes were, for the film, were inspired by a research trip that Peter Son and producer Denise Reem took to the Rockies. Uh. Which, I said, it doesn't remind me of the Rockies at all. I didn't spend much time there, so maybe it was just stuff that I didn't, like, see. But it doesn't remind me of the Rockies. It reminded me more of, like, Utah, like you said, and Arizona. Like, that's the vibes that I got. Mm, it just wasn't too deserty enough to be like Arizona to me. Well, there are other parts of Arizona that aren't super desert. I know, but like when you think Arizona, you think desert. So I was thinking more like north, like and more like lush land where you could potentially be a, be a dinosaur farmer. 
that makes it sound like you're farming dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) I would do that. Just have a little ranch of dinosaurs instead of cows. (laughs) I'd have my own mini Jurassic Park. (laughs) So they capture the landscapes using different forms of technology, starting with topological survey maps that were available to them through Google Maps. After that, they populated the terrain with um, mottled trees, leaves, mulch, rocks, and most of the other vegetation. Um, Then they developed a special tool to create 3D clouds and flowing water. The river that is in the film was inspired by a Snake River in Monument Valley, Utah. So they did throw in some of that, I suppose, but it just, I don't know. I don't, I'm calling, I'm calling, um, lies on it being inspired by the Rockies. There's, Uh, like, mountains all over in the movie. There's mountains all over a lot of places. I know, but, like, whatever, this is a stupid conversation. It is a stupid conversation, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So, in the film, we see some structures that seem like they would be man-made, but then we see a dino putting in putting in the work. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Me either. I was like, oh, this is like a human village or something. And then, nope, it's the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are the people of the film or the human life. They domesticated themselves. Yeah. So I see him cutting down some trees, just burying his face in the dirt to plow the lines for his field. Um carrying seeds on one of those little wooden things on the back. What are those things called? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. Pallet or something? I don't know. We are not ag- very agriculture, very knowledgeable in agriculture. Maybe in another life. Maybe. We're, we're, because you always say, I've asked you multiple times, what would you do if you like won the lottery? You said, I'd buy a big farm. <laughs> Good luck with that. (laughs) So we hear a voice call out saying, Henry, it's time. And he goes to a little hut thingy, house, whatever. And we see a little dino egg shaking in there. And it cracks open and the first little dino baby is born. The lady dinosaur says, you're a papa. And he says, you're a mama. And the papa dinosaur is named Henry. And the mama dinosaur is named Ida. I don't think I ever heard them say her name in the movie. But research will tell you that her name is Ida. And that's Francis McDormand. It is. That is correct. And the dad is the guy from Westworld. Is he in Westworld? Yeah, he plays... uh... Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but like... Well, he's the guy in um, the Hunger Games movies, the Catching Fire and Mockingjay. Yeah. 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 I feel like the way I was going to describe him would have been a spoiler. Is he in the first season? Of Westworld? Yeah, he's been in all of them. He's like the main character. What? I'm. Uh, yes. All I can remember from Westworld is the girl and James Marsden. Oh. <laughs> Understandable. And Tessa Thompson showing up. Uh, yeah, I think she, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I couldn't get into the second season. I gave up. A lot of people did. A lot of people really did not like the last season, but... 
I enjoyed it. The first but I season. I get why they didn't like it because it's just it, it's a completely it's a completely different show every season. So if you liked the first one, then you're probably like not gonna like the rest of them, or if like you were really attached to the idea of the first one. Checks out. I just feel like the first season was something that was really um, alluring to me because one, I like like Western stuff, and two, you know my feelings on robots. Uh-huh. Did some stuff. Anyway, so the little dino is born, and it's adorable, and I would like 12 of them to keep as my own. I said I would like a plush. There is, I feel like we're really getting off on tangents a lot on this one. <laughs> <laughs> there, which yeah, might say uh, something about the movie yeah <laughs> um at Disney remember World, when you were like i don't think it'll be a long episode <laughs> at uh, animal kingdom at disney world um there is a section of the park called dino land usa and it is set up like a like a carnival type situation like a dinosaur themed carnival there's a whole backstory to it if we ever go i will tell you the whole backstory okay but anyway there is a the fuck i had it originally written down but i lost my notes because my computer broke what the fuck is it called there's like a restaurant there called restaurantosaurus and like Mm -hmm. everything's themed like that and there's a gift shop and i feel like maybe i saw something there that I had to do with Good Dinosaur, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't have been paying attention at the time because I never saw the movie. Right. But uh, I'll look next time. See if there's a little, like, Arlo plush or something. So the first dinosaur that hatches is Libby, and then the next one is Buck, and Buck hatches with Justin's legs first and runs around with the little shell on, which was pretty cute. And then... Um, before the last one hatches, Henry says, this has got to be a big one. But then the teeniest, tiniest little dinosaur is in that giant egg. And he looks like a baby alligator. That's what it reminded me of. And his name is Arlo. We have a little time passing and the babies have grown into adolescent young, whatever, whatever stage of life that is. Dinosaurs. Prepubescent? I don't know. How long did dinosaurs live? Do we know that? I don't know. I should have looked that up. It probably varies by species of dinosaur. Probably. I feel like it's not that long. I feel like it's like into their 20s. So, I guess early on they estimated that they could live up to 300 years. But what? That was, like, just a guess. I, that was just a guess, uh, like, based on comparisons with crocodiles and turtles. Um, but the consensus now is that the Apatosaurus and Diplo... Diplo? Diplodocus? <laughs> Diplodocus? Dinosaurs probably only lived for, like, 70 or 80 years. Okay, so humans. So is that, like, uh, oh, my God, we're so stupid. I feel like that's really going to come out in this episode. Okay, so, like, (laughs) is an Apatosaurus, is that, like, like a, (laughs) is that, like, a type of dinosaur? And then, like, a 
brachio stars is that like a, a like a sub genre oh of that? Like, that could maybe? be or maybe not <laughs> i don't know but just it feels weird to me that this thing is only saying apatosaurus and diplo 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 hold on okay so they're two different the key difference between Apatosaurus and Brachiosaurus is that Apatosaurus front legs were slightly shorter than its hind legs, while Brachiosaurus front legs were larger and taller than hind legs. Okay, so my initial theory is wrong. That it's not like a subgenre. Subspecies. Okay, well I know nothing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Anyway, um, oh yeah, so they, they've grown up. They're not babies anymore. Um, we see that Arlo is a very fearful and timid dinosaur boy. Um, he, his chore is to feed those weird chicken things. Like, I don't even know. Are they supposed to be chickens? I feel like, uh. Uh, some sort of evolved chickens, maybe, to be bigger, to feed bigger animals. To feed dinosaurs. Checks like out. Checks out. Um, yeah. Young Arlo is voiced by Jack McGraw, who also appears in Toy Story 4, voicing young Andy. Um, throughout this time, Henry is building a silo, and once it's completed, Ida tells him to put his mark on it because he's earned it. He's like, oh, no, not until you put yours on it. None of this would be possible without you. So, super cute. I disagree. I found them really annoying. Really? <laughs> yes. Why? I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. Like, I really can't stand. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to see. And I think it's important for children to see parents who, like, really love each other. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just don't like the cheese. I get it. See, I have, once I finish this little bit, I have a a thought but they were too loving of a family well the the siblings were dicks so at least that was accurate yeah but even so they still like were harmless what were harmless Nothing. i thought you said they were homeless we're i like, was like what harmless harmless um i wanted to say i feel like the dinosaurs were really cute as babies but they're kind of ugly when they got older and like there's just something a little off to me about how hyper-realistic the background was, but how, like, sort of cartoonish the dinosaurs were. But I feel like it could have worked had they made the dinosaurs more cartoonish. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were almost just a little shy of cartoonish. Like, they tried to make them realistic, but also cute. I just feel like they could have made them cuter. I get it. Um... Anyway, so they put their marks on the silo, and all the kids are really excited by this, and they want to put their mark on it as well. But Henry tells them that they have to do something big that helps something other than themselves to be able to put a mark on there. And this is what I don't like, is that, like, that's just such an inorganic, manufactured plot device there. It just... Mm -hmm. to, to sort of... They do that to make a like a moment much later in the film yeah and it just doesn't land it does not um so they show the others getting their mark buck clears a field 
while Arlo is chased by chickens in the background and this buck just clearing the field make like allows him to put his mark on which just like is a simple thing like you should do it that doesn't warrant putting a I'm bucking. guessing he's already done that before yeah like <laughs> it's his chore um Libby earns her mark by plowing the field doing the little face thing but Arlo is still struggling with his chore of like feeding the chickens because he's afraid of them and he's not um like really earning his mark um one day when arlo is on his way to do his chore feeding the chickens he sees buck on the ground seemingly wounded uh buck says to him that the chicken things attacked him and he's like tell mom that i love her and then he has a little puppet on his tail that looks like a chicken that he uses to scare arlo buck is voiced by Marcus Scribner, who is on the Blackish show and Grownish. I've never watched and I haven't seen him in anything other than I've seen episodes of Blackish. It's actually quite humorous. I've just never sat down to watch a full episode. I think it was always on after something that I already I feel watched. like there's nothing on like traditional TV that I watch anymore. Oh, Everything I watch TV. is on a streaming service and I'm just too lazy to go out of my way to find things. I understand. Um this older Arlo is voiced by Raymond Akoa, I think that's how you pronounce it. Who has done like a lot of uncredited voices, just like background voices. It wasn't really anything notable. Um Arlo has that happen, is like being bullied by Buck for not being competent at all. He struggles with feeding the chicken chore and everyone else is kind of worried that he's not going to get his mark and not like do what he needs to do to provide for the family. But Henry just keeps saying he'll get there, he'll get there. Buck calls Arlo a coward and Arlo says he isn't, he's going to make his mark one day. And then when Ida is like, yeah, of course you are, you just need need more time he's like i don't even care about making my mark and like walks away which was like you were just causing this whole fuss about how you can do it and then you're like nah i just don't want it that's what's happening and i feel like excuse me i feel like this movie just did sort of like the whole chicken thing like you can have that and i'll discuss this more later but like if you wanted to make it out that he's a fraidy cat like i just feel like they didn't do that right i feel like there needed to be something else that he was like afraid of i feel like there needed to be something else, like a bigger reason for him to be the way he is well, they, otherwise he kind of looks lazy exactly like he doesn't seem like scared or like a fraidy cat like they're trying to make him like he just seems incompetent but yeah they just really were doing some fuck shit with his whole character development character presentation whatever um as arlo is walking away henry says he has an idea and he wakes arlo up in the middle of the night they're walking through the dark and of course arlo is scared but he's super curious as to what's happening and henry tells him he needs to go walk ahead by himself arlo has an encounter with a bug that lands on him and he like freaks out but then henry makes it light up like a little lightning bug and he says sometimes you need to get through your fear to see the beauty on the other side and he like spins around and makes all the lightning bugs fly up and turn on and do their thing and it's 
all like beautiful and intriguing to Arlo. It's something he hasn't seen before. Uh, they're running around and like laughing in the field. And Henry says, I have a new job for you tomorrow if you still want to make your mark. And this new job is that he wants Arlo to protect the silo because there is a critter that has been coming over the fence and eating their food. They set up some booby traps together and Arlo stands guard. Um, a little bug comes up and he interrogates the bug, questions some leaves that are rustling around, and then one of the booby traps is disturbed in the back. He hesitantly wanders over to it and sees that a human child is trapped in their little net device. Megan? Yes. The second I saw this child, it reminded me of Tegan. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yep. Tegan is Megan's niece. She's half feral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with her. And the second I saw this child, I was like, that is Tegan. It is. Yep. I think maybe it's the hair. Yep. Yeah. And just the general. The demeanor. Yeah. Feral demeanor. Yeah. Definitely. But it's a cute kid. It is. And she is. She's just um something else. She's interesting. She is not the sweet, presentable little angel that her sister is. And I love that for her. Mm-hmm. The amount of times that I like will go home and they'll be like, listen, Tegan is you, is an exact replica of you because I just did not obey and did not keep quiet like they were used to with Michael and Zach when I was a child and I love that for us so the kid gets like stuck in the net and chokes itself before Arlo can do anything and then instead of like doing his job and you know some very dark dark things that happen in the movie is that they want him to kill this human child (laughs) but he like won't do it and he sets it free um Henry is not happy when he comes to the situation and sees that Arlo has let him go. And he's like, if that thing comes back and keeps eating our food, we're not going to survive. Um, and you're not going to survive if you keep being afraid of everything. So they go after the human child. Um, it's raining and starts to storm heavily, but Henry is pushing for them to keep going. And you see that like all of his patience is run out and he's just being like super aggressive and pushing Arlo Um, Arlo gets hurt and can't really walk and Henry apologizes for how he has been acting and says he just wants to harp harp just wants to help Arlo get past his fear so they begin walking home and the storm gets worse and Henry has to push Arlo up this little like cliffside thing and ends up getting taken away by a flash flood that sweeps through the river and this was very fucking traumatic Abby is eating, which she has yelled at me for so many times. You were busy talking. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't eating yet and talking. But you forgot to say earlier that they made a very heavy-handed reference to the river. And we're like, if you, what did he say? Like, if you ever get if lost, you ever get just, lost follow just follow the river. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so someone's going to fall in the river at one point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, and of course, it wouldn't be a Disney movie without a dead parent. I, yeah, I have that 
um, during a later part though. So one of my fun facts is that Arlo, like in the original idea, he was supposed to be older and supposed to be a teenager, but they wanted his like arc and development to be more believable and thought that it would be like too late for him to have that as a teenager and he needed to be like a younger child to be that more effective. That makes sense. I think effective. that was a good choice to be. Yeah. I think it's also cuter when it's like a child's yeah. voice, you know, like you feel more protective of him mm-hmm. and you root for him more. Whereas if it were a teenager, I'd be like, ah, fuck him. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Just teenage boys never listening to anything and just being idiots. Right. Um... So they go back to the little, their little establishment, and they have a little grave for Henry. And then they show Arlo and Ida collecting the harvest, and Ida falls over, having everything, like, on her back. And says that they need to get everything collected before the first snow, or they won't survive the winter. So Arlo takes their stuff to the silo, and when he gets there, he sees the boy back inside. His Anger overcomes his fear, and he chases the child. They fight, and then they fall into the river. Arlo washes up on the shore, and you can see that he is injured. He tries to climb out of, like, the little ravine thing he was dumped into, and then he fails and sees the child, like, on top of the, like, rock area, whatever. And, like, his anger drives him once again. He overcomes his injuries and he climbs up the side um once he gets there he's super distraught and trying to figure out where he is and he remembers the very heavy-handed note from his father that as long as you have the river you can make your way home then his stomach growls and he tries to get some sort of berries off of a tree And then he tries to make his little shelter for the night on this uncomfortable rock bed and like tucks himself into the rocks to use as a blanket and it just is not a stable situation he's in. (laughs) And then he hears some mysterious noises in the night. When the day comes, he starts walking and it rains. So he tries to construct himself a shelter that quickly falls. His next one is a little bit better, but all the rain collects on the leaves and then they break and drop on his head. Um, there's some weird possums or like cat things watching him while he is doing this. I don't know what those things were supposed to be. Again, just more weirdly evolved creatures. So as he is laying under his shelter resting, some more concerning noises happen. And then we see the human boy come out of the brush. Arlo dismisses him and tells him to get away, and then the little boy drops an iguana down for him. But Arlo (laughs) is all hesitant and doesn't want to, like, be involved with the boy and doesn't do anything, so the iguana thing scurries away. Then the child brings him this giant, disgusting bug and, like, motions biting and eating, because apparently the human child can't talk, and he's trying to, like, mime what he wants Arlo to do with it, but... And then he bites the head off of this bug thing, which was really gross. <laughs> Do you think it's one of those situations, though, that, like, I would understand why he wouldn't be able to talk. I feel like first, the first humans or whatever probably didn't yeah. have speech the way we did. But, like, well, dinosaurs like also this? wouldn't be able to speak, so. Right, but that's what I'm thinking is, like, even if 
they could both speak they wouldn't be able to speak the same language so like yeah. it wouldn't make any sense if he knew how to speak yeah unless after a million years dinosaurs somehow evolved to speak english <laughs> uh um but yeah arlo won't like accept anything the child is bringing him and just like kicks the bug carcass away and the child is super frustrated and barks at him because he just is like a dog throughout the whole film we get to realize um and then he comes back and leaves some berries out for arlo and arlo starts telling him to get away but then eats the berries and while he's like trying to threaten him is like but if you could bring me back some more of these that'd be that'd be chill the word berries has been ruined for me because of berries and cream uh-huh. <laughs> i just can't i think that i remember that fucking commercial and it made me uncomfortable then, and it's making me uncomfortable now. And I'm sick of hearing it on every stupid Instagram video and every stupid fucking TikTok. I'm sick of it. I loved it. Some of them, some people are, have, like, remixed it to make it really clever. But, like, other than that, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Berries and cream is really good. It's a really good snack. Um... So, the boy starts, like, moving away, and Arlo thinks that he is taking him to the berries and follows him up to a very precarious cliffside, and he has some flashbacks and some anxiety attacks because of the whole daddy situation. Um, Then the boy is somehow, this little human child is somehow able to just shove Arlo a dinosaur down into the position he wants him to be in and uses him as a bridge to cross this little break in the cliff and arlo is like pissed about this at first but then he sees the berry tree and he gets to it and the child is barking at him like trying to warn him not to go get any berries but arlo doesn't listen and when he takes a bite from the tree a giant gross snake falls onto him and then they fall down the cliffside and somehow survive. Yes? I think I just got a warning about my... Your internet is unstable. Keep going. So then the child wrestles the snake away. Um, you hear a very terrifying voice say, Hello, we've been watching you. And there's, like, a bunch of, like, birds and random animals in the tree, but none of them, like, are moving their mouths. Are all trying to figure out who it is. And then we see it isn't a tree, but a face that steps forward, revealing that it is another dinosaur. I hate this dinosaur. I It made me, it shook me to my core. Yep. <laughs> disturbed me I do not like him <laughs> and I feel like he needed to be taken out of the movie he's fucking terrifying yeah um so this, this character- is I would rather be face to face with a t-rex than this thing <laughs> that voice was the most disturbing voice as well it was so creepy it like sent chills down my spine when he first said hello we've been watching you mm-hmm. I can't even imitate it um, but this character is called the Pet Collector, and he is voiced by the director of the film, Peter Son. Um, I'm assuming that Peter would be very offended by your take, 
because the pet collector is based on a character that he created while he was um, attending Cal Arts. And I think in a different movie, could be could be something. Okay, did not like it for this movie. <laughs> and Peter, Peter, was the voice of Squishy in Monsters University. Much better character. Do more of that. <laughs> We're out on the pet collector. When, uh. When he pitched his character to John Lasseter, Lasseter instantly wanted him to do the voice of the role, and he was super reluctant to do it at first, but then agreed to do it, and um, John Lasseter directed the scene. I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for Mr. Son, Son, however you want to pronounce it. Sorry. Um, I feel like he accomplished what he wanted to with the character... And so I don't think he'd be offended by our take. I feel like he wanted us to be disturbed. Yeah. Um, so this creepy character, the pet collector, says that um, this creature has protected Arlo, the creature being the human boy, and the pet collector wants him as one of his pets. <laughs> and he says... Um, I have to go to the bathroom. Where was I? Oh, yes. So the pet collector says to Arlo that the creature has protected him, so he wants him. So he can protect him like all of his other friends. And he names all of the little bird cat things on his body. Um, Notably, there is Dream Crusher who protects him from unrealistic goals. And then Debbie, just Debbie. I will say the names in this movie. I really loved the name, like especially the pterodactyls later and stuff. I really think they put a lot of thought into the names. I think they're really fun. Mm-hmm. I also really like the name Arlo. I think that's really cute. It's cute. It is very cute. Yeah. Um, the pet collector asks what the child's name is, and Arlo says he doesn't know. So the pet collector says, "I will meditate on it," and then says. Once he names him, he is his. So they go back and forth trying to figure out his name, saying things like killer, beast, murderer, just stuff like that. Um, They throw Frank out there, which I wish this child was just named Frank. That would have made it even better. Uh, But eventually Arlo shouts spot, which the child responds to. Uh, So the pet collector says, clearly you are connected. And decides to let the child spot go with Arlo then as they're leaving Debbie the bird tries to fly off and join them and he's like no you can't have Debbie too and then says to Debbie you're better than this (laughs) Uh, which was right under the asteroid belt scene is my favorite so the kid is chasing around some like I don't even know mole type creature things And they're going into their little, like, whack-a-mole holes. And then Arlo blows them all out of their holes and they swarm him. And he is frightened into a little watering hole type thing, which was just so beautiful. And I wish that I could swim there. Um, They eat some fruit from a tree that makes them trip balls. And there is a... Um, Reminiscent of... What's the movie that we watched? (laughs) Of Dumbo. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Like, why is this okay? But in Dumbo, like, they got a... They got a warning. Yeah. Um, there's another Easter egg here that I didn't notice, but apparently the Luxo ball can be seen when they are hallucinating. Um, the Luxo ball is the yellow ball with, like, the blue stripe and the red star, if anybody didn't know that. Um... I feel like I might have noticed that. However, we'll never know because I don't have my original notes, so. I definitely didn't notice it. So then Arlo sees another one of the lightning bugs that he saw with his dad. And he lights up the field showing Spot this, like, little trick that he learned from his dad. Um, and then they have their little talk, in quotes, because they can't really talk. It's just them doing their communicating. Um about missing their families and spot does something to show that like his parents are gone and um arlo shows that his dad is gone and this is where i had the note about disney with their traumatic dead parent shit mm-hmm. always on that bullshit mm-hmm. um tried a true method i guess to they're like, get an emotional the reaction. only way to make people feel something is by giving our characters like, dead parents. Like, they're not wrong. Like, sometimes <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> sometimes when I, like, just lay in bed at night, I try and freak myself out. And thinking about my parents dying, like, really upsets me. So, I mean, I guess that... That seems healthy. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got problems. I just always will... It's more common than it should be that I go to sleep and think about how I'm going to die one day. And then that just keeps me up at night because I just start doing the whole what the fuck happens? Where do I go? Mm-hmm. Are the Catholics right? Am I going to burn in a hellfire? Like, yeah. God, I hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> I've really doubled down on not believing them on their bullshit. So hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt me. go back now. <laughs> I remember when I was, like, a kid after CCD, I would come home so fucking traumatized and be like, I'm going to go to hell. And my parents would be like, as long as you believe in Jesus, like, you're not going to go to hell. And I'm like, that's not what they're telling me there. Like, it's not that fucking simple. So, like, I also had to go to CCD. (laughs) (laughs) It was the worst. But... Um, I was thinking about this just like, I don't know, like a month ago, because me and my mom were talking and about how I can be really confrontational. And I was like, I don't know, I feel like it's a pretty new thing. And she goes, no, it's not. And then I remembered at CCD, I would challenge this one teacher on like everything. And eventually I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I, like, I wouldn't keep arguing. I'd wait for her answer, but I'd still, I'd try and trip her up. Like I, I remember uh, I had a friend in high school whose mom got an abortion because, first of all, her mom was kind of old. Her mom was already kind of old when she had her, and she was especially old then, and the baby didn't have, like, a heartbeat or it had, like, a hole in its head or something like that, something that was wrong with it, whereas if she if she carried it to term and gave birth to it, it would die within minutes, which how fucking traumatic would that be? How traumatic would that be? Mm-hmm. Okay to carry a baby for nine months just for that to happen. And I remember I marched into CCD that day, <laughs> and I was like, so what do you think about this? Um, you know, why would you, why would you want to go through that, grow through with that? 
And I remember the teacher just said, um, oh, it could have also put her mom uh, at risk too because her mm-hmm. mom had something wrong with her, like diabetes or something, something where it was like having another baby could be like really bad for her. And my assistant teacher, teacher was just like, well, I think we just need to put our trust that God will have the doctor or like will make the doctors save both of their lives. It's, we just need to give them a chance. And I'm like, bitch, I'm not doing that. And it was like after that day, I was like, this is kind of bullshit. I remember in like fourth grade, they made us watch this video about how, um, like this woman was like telling her story about how she was raped and how like she wouldn't get an abortion because she was Catholic and she had the child and like ended up having a terrible relationship with the child because he was a psychopath just like his dad and she's like but I don't regret like any of it and blah 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 and I'm like no no first of all I shouldn't like be hearing vicious rape stories when I'm 10 years old right I remember I don't know how old it was but um they like, at the beginning, when we would go in there, they'd sit us all in a group. So there was lots of children there, people who were younger than me and people who were older than me. And we'd go and sit in this group, and they'd tell us a story that day. First of all, I remember going in there one time, and they were they passed out flyers not to go see The Golden Compass. <laughs> Have you ever read those books or seen that movie? No, I haven't. There's nothing wrong with them. The only thing is that they... Uh, they have these like they're like familiars but they're called like daemons or demons and they're like these spirits that like inhabit animals or some shit i can't remember clearly but um but they were the catholic church caught on to that they were called demons or something they're like no you must not go see this movie and i remember bringing it home to my mama and i was like this is stupid like you can go see it if you want <laughs> she did not care um but i remember another time uh we went in there, and there were young children in there, and they read us this these stories from, like, some abortion clinic in fucking China where they were describing cutting babies out of their wombs. Like, they were, like, further along uh, abortions, which do happen uh, on occasion, but definitely very rare in this country, and there has to be something really wrong for them to do a late-term abortion mm-hmm. but they were I remember I remember feeling really woozy after hearing yeah, that I bet. Like, oh my god this is so sick <laughs> just some catholic education stuff. somehow we got <laughs> from dinosaurs to abortions <laughs> uh, we'll never know what what will be brought forth <laughs> um well, this podcast is not only a movie podcast, but also examining it's, childhood, it's a childhood trauma, trauma podcast. And Catholicism is a huge part of our childhood trauma. It so. truly is. It is on top of daddy issues. I don't know. I don't know if they're equivalent or just like right below the daddy issues of why I'm just a disaster of a human being, but they're they're very much competing. <sighs> So, um, ah, 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 yeah, that's where we are. After they have their little, um, talk, quote, unquote, talk, um, they sadly howl at the moon together, which was heart, heart wrenching, kind of. Arlo wakes up to Spot cuddling on top of him, 
but then a bad storm occurs and the river disappears. Uh, Arlo is trying to frantically figure out like what's going on and how to find it because you know his whole the river is what is going to get him home thing. And then some suspicious pterodactyls swoop in. And boy, do I not know how to spell a pterodactyl. I know- oh my god, I'm going to say the same thing. <laughs> I know there's a P at the start, but the rest of it, I have it spelled like seven different ways and it's all red underlined. Yeah. The problem is I kept putting pterodactyls and it's pterodactyls. Okay. So I had it right, except I kept using A instead of an O. Um, I have, I- yeah. I have that, and then I have, like, at the end, I have O-L, Y-L, I-L, like, I don't know. The only other thing that I kept doing, but I corrected myself, was I kept putting in Y-E-S at the end. Like, it's some fucking, like, Greek name, <laughs> Pterodactyles. What's that movie, like, uh, I can find my way. What's Hercules? Hercules, yeah. Like, he's a character in that movie or something. But I knew the second I saw these pterodactyls <laughs> that they were either going to be, like, the unhinged, where they're just sort of, like, a fun, like, comedic thread, or they were unhinged, like, cult leader unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> it was the second one. <laughs> it was the second one. So they come in, and they're, like, asking Arlo if he's okay, and asking if he's seen any, like, injured creatures um seemingly like there's some sort of paramedic situation like that's what you think is that they're gonna help and um Arlo's like yeah I'm okay but like I don't know how to get home it's like this is where I'm from how do I get back there and they are like trying to con him into like joining them and being like super shady yeah a cult um the lead pterodactyl pterodactyl is named thunderclap you don't need to say pterodactyl i know but i wanted to (laughs) the lead pterodactyl is named thunderclap and he's voiced by steve zahn um recently in the white lotus he's in a bunch of other random shit like appears in a variety of different movies i just watched the other day with him and he popped up in there how was it it doesn't matter yeah um he was in chicken Right. Were you going to say something? You look like you were going to. No? Um, I was just going to say that, that in Orlando, in the Jurassic Park, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the Jurassic Park, Part. Are you broken? <laughs> just thinking about how in the Jurassic Park part of the Islands of Adventure Park in, you know, in, uh, yeah, Orlando, they have a pterodactyl ride and it was my favorite ride. Me and my mom loved it when we would go. And then I remember I turned like 12 and they were like, you can't go on this anymore. And we're like, what? And I don't know if I just didn't know at the time that you couldn't go on that ride if you weren't a child you like you could go on with a child and an adult 
like I don't or if they just like just made that rule but um, I'm pissed about it because like like if you and I went on together we probably weighed the same amount that like a a full-grown man and a fucking 10 year old child weigh you know what I mean like I probably don't weigh much more than a 10 year old child (laughs) most of them are as tall as I am I just have a feeling that it's a weight issue and they don't want to have to like install like uh what's the thing that was scale scale, you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah uh you know for discrimination reasons or whatever but I'm still really pissed about it because I would love to write that again maybe maybe I'll just like steal a child and we can take your nieces or something I was gonna say yeah kidnap one of our our little Um, Jacob said, unleash Tegan. (laughs) She would love it there. There's like a playground, like a whole huge playground. She would climb around in. She would go absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a doctor. Okay. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. Continue. We've talked about abducting children way too much. We used to want to kidnap Ichiro a lot when he was a baby. Oh, yeah. He was so cute. He was. Um... The roundest head I've ever seen on a child. His face was mm-hmm. a perfect circle. I loved it. Love that mushy and little. And Kinsey's kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We're also a threat. They're too old now. Yep. They wouldn't uh, go willingly. <laughs> so then one of the, the pterodactyls says that they found someone. So they go over to rescue the critter. They get it out. They're doing their thing. And then the leader, or is it the one that finds it? I don't know. One of the pterodactyls eats the critter that they found, and we realize that they are just, like, scavengers. That really upset me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like seeing stuff like that. I have written under that. They are not a nice bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Then they see Spot, and they want to eat Spot, and Arlo has to protect him and run away with him. Um, they're running away, and we see some big-ass T-Rexes are there, and they scare away the pterodactyls helping out Arlo and Spot. Okay, you always look like you're gonna say something. You have a very mischievous look (laughs) on your face. (laughs) It's just how my face looks. So there are three T-Rexes. There's a sister, a brother, and a dad. The sister is named Ramsey, and she's voiced by Anna Paquin. Any True Blood fans out there will get that. You froze, so did not oh, hear, no. did not hear what you said. Well, I said Anna Paquin, and then you said Anna Paquin, and I said Suki. Okay, I know that's her character's name, but I don't get the her vampire boyfriend in that show. His name was Bill, and he would always say her name like Suki. Is that one of the Scars guards? No, he. Uh, he was never her boyfriend. They just left. Oh, okay. Um, her boyfriend is her husband in real life now. Her boyfriend in the show. Interesting. I don't know who her husband in real life is. I really don't know that I've seen him in anything other than True Blood. He's a British guy. Stephen Moyer, I think his name is. So the brother is named Nash, and the voice of Nash is A.J. Buckley. Um, 
He's in a bunch of random, like, network TV shows like CSI New York. He was in Supernatural for a little bit. He was in Justified for a little bit. The show with Timothy Oliphant, who is one of the hottest men on this earth. I just, the, the Office Mindy gif is the most accurate thing that there is in the world (laughs) no um and then the dad's name is butch and he is voiced by sam elliott it's a great name for him yeah yeah it is i love the um image rehabilitation the t-rexes get in this movie because they come up and you think that they're they just escaped one bad situation for another but then they're like we this don't want to sweet you. wholesome little family yeah when i was mm-hmm. reading like the background info I was talking about how one in the in one of the alternative scripts they were one of the antagonists in the film but then they decided to make them um be helpful and be their companions and it said like this is one of three movies or something like that where the t-rex isn't the the bad guy quote-unquote in the film um so the dad wants to help them but he says that they don't have time because they lost their herd of longhorns and arlo says that spot can sniff out anything and can help them sniff out their herd so he eventually finds the herd and some rustlers they refer to them as are threatening the herd and they're devising a plan to get them away from the herd so they can reclaim them and butch says to arlo i have a job for you and arlo responds i'm not really good at jobs a call back <laughs> to the beginning of the film <laughs> very well, subtle said that, i don't have this in my current notes but i know for a fact in my original notes i put same <laughs> yeah um, so pretty much the job that he wants him to do is be bait. He wants him to go stand on this, like, rock and call the things towards him, um, so that they can swoop in and get their herd. So the rustlers are a group of feral velociraptors, and... What velociraptor is Isn't feral, feral. But these ones are, like, especially feral. Okay. Like, the they ones that... looked like crackheads, like, uh... Yeah. What's-her-face's character in Raya? The dragon in Raya. Oh, what's her name? Fuck. Aquafina. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, the image, the appearance of them sort of is giving me the same, the same dra- energy. The raptors in Jurassic Park were cute. Mm. Only the one. Okay. The one that behaved. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when they are, like, combating with the velociraptors, one of them, um, has a small one line that says, we killed them, and this part is the part that is voiced by John Ratzenberger, and it is his smallest voice role in, um, a Pixar film. Until Soul. When he doesn't have one, Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, you know, they're having their little duel over the herd, and Arlo is able to be confident and help and actually not 
be a hindrance and helps the T-Rexes get the raptor pack away from the herd. Then the herd starts to stampede and they continue fighting. Arlo um, like eventually gets them towards Butch who ultimately like throws them away pretty much to get them away. Their, their, their longhorns aren't cows like traditional longhorns are, but they're like bisons morphed with cows, which I thought was cool. I liked that. Terrifying, but it was... There are a lot of details in this movie where you can tell like lots of thought was put into it, but then I feel like they just got lost yeah. with the bigger picture. Yep, I agree. Um... So yeah, after this hard day of work, they kind of band together and chill out around a campfire. And they're telling old stories. Um, and then they have Butch tell the story about how he got his scar. And I... You wanna know how I got the scar? <laughs> <laughs> this is your best Another showing yet. impression. <laughs> it truly was. Um... I felt like this story that he told was very dark for a children's movie again. So I don't know if I'm just getting soft or if this movie really is a lot. Um, they notice that the first snow has started to fall. And Arlo says he has to get home to his mom. He helps them. He's helping them steer the herd of longhorns. But then sees the Clawtooth Mountains in the distance. Which is where his home is and what he's been looking for since he lost the river so they part ways have a very nice cute little departure um another random note obviously arlo does a lot of like walking on this journey um and his movements were based on how young elephants move okay makes sense so they find the river again and arlo and spot are hurrying towards the mountain um they're howling in excitement as they grow closer but then something howls back at them and in the distance we see the shape of another human person and spot is very intrigued by this he starts like moving in that direction sniffing in it going closer but arlo picks him up and says that they need to get home so he doesn't let Spot really investigate what's going on. As they're walking, he's like talking up his home, kind of, you see, he's trying to convince Spot that it's somewhere that he wants to be and it's like, it's a good place for them both to go. And then again, another fucking storm happens. There's just too many storms in this movie. They really, really use that to, to drive forward the narrative. I completely oh you're frozen i'm so sorry hold on you're frozen oh why 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 does it keep doing this <laughs> now she's frozen i'm looking at hello <laughs> can you hear me say something can you hear me hello you're the voice, the, oh god, the, like, way delayed. 
Can you hear me? You keep breaking up. I feel like you were going to say something about the storm. Yes, I felt... Are you recording? Yeah. Um, But I felt the same way about the storms, that they... That I feel like if they wanted to use that as something that he really feared was the storms, they needed to establish that right off the bat and really hone in on it, but they didn't. And then then it would excuse how often they were using it. And how it made him afraid and, like, waned any confidence that he was gaining. But, like, they didn't do that. No, they did not. Um, yeah, they just kind of throw threw it in here because, like, the storm begins. And you can tell it kind of reminds him of the storm that killed his father. And he, like, is having trouble going on. And then a weird fin thing appears in the clouds. And a few more come down. There's some laughter, and the pterodactyls are back. And this is the... That was kind of cool imagery, I think. It was. It was. Yeah. And this is the only spot in my notes where pterodactyls is spelled right. (laughs) I have it spelled with an I here. (laughs) So one of the pterodactyls gets spot, and... This was another thing I had a problem with, is that Arlo was biting his arm and, like, pulling out it. I feel like a dinosaur biting your arm as another one is pulling you the other direction would probably make your arm rip off, but no, that doesn't happen. He's just the most durable little boy that there is, apparently. Maybe because uh, he's a vegetarian dinosaur. Maybe his teeth are different. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't have such a forceful jaw. I just feel like the force of them going... Poland tugging would just rip that little thing right off, but who knows? I'm not a doctor. Um, then Arlo falls and gets tangled up in some stuff and Spot is taken away. Uh, something falls and hits Arlo in the head and, like, knocks him out, but then puts him in this really weird, like, state where he sees his dad and his dad helps him get off of, like, the tangled mess. Um... So they're walking and he like keeps telling his dad that they need to go get Spot, but his dad isn't responding and he realizes he's not really there. Um, he has a little like epiphany moment kind of here. Well, he's probably been developing it the whole time, but this is where he like lets out that he shouldn't have blamed Spot for what happened and that he loves Spot and he needs to go find him. And then the thing the, is, like, I feel like he didn't really even blame Spot that much. He just sort of like threw it at him like a couple times yeah but I never it wasn't some yeah something that like got in the way of their relationship besides when he was hesitant at the beginning and it was really just him getting his anger out um and then like the 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 vision of his dad says I knew you had it in you and says the thing he said to him before where he says you're me and more and he says that he needs to go take care of him are you frozen? Or are you just staying really still? Network connection error? God damn it, Abby. Wait, it, I can hear you, and it's saying network connection error, though, but it's... Okay, as long as you can hear me. still letting me talk to you. Yeah. So Arlo goes and fights with the pterodactyls and is um, able to... <laughs> to roar in this... 
throws off the pterodactyls and he's able to save Spot. But then another flood is coming. Uh, uh, bitch. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, your voice is so delayed. You're also very delayed. Let's just try and make do. Give each other a minute to respond. Okay, we're almost we're almost at the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's um he gets spot from the pterodactyls, but then another fucking flood comes. And then he saves spot from the flood. So really what was the point of putting another fucking obstacle in there? Um And I feel like it would have been more impactful if he was still feeling conflicted about their relationship. Yep. For him to go save him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That would have been a gesture to me. But they already like each other at this point. So, like, of course he's going to go save him. Mm Mm-hmm. But it would have been a bigger moment had he not liked him or still conflicted at that point. Yeah. Um, so they're approaching Arlo's home when they hear the howling again, and a family of people appears this time, and Spot goes to them. Spot is happy, and he's connecting with them, and this wasn't his family, right? Like, his family was definitely dead. I don't think so. I think it was just more humans that spotted him, and I don't think he even knew him. I think Stranger Danger just didn't apply back then. (laughs) It was nice of them to take him in. Yeah. Um, so then Spot like comes back to Arlo, and Arlo pushes him down and back to the people, and he does the little like circle thing, like to show Spot that he belongs with them, not with Arlo and his family. Spot understands. Which was nice imagery. Yeah, it was. Um, so Spot finally understands why Arlo is like pushing him away, and they share one last hug. This, I did get a little, just a little choked up here, again, because it reminded me of, I think I mentioned this when we were watching something else, but, like, the Pikachu <laughs> yeah. movie or whatever, where he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to get him to go with the other Pikachus. Yeah, I get that. Um, so Arlo is on his way home, he pulls up there, and he sees his mama, and then Buck and Libby come to greet him, and he gets to put his mark on the silo. Which, again, would have been more impactful if it were just about anything other than... Putting a mark. What it was. Yeah. Just kind of stupid. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion. They had, like, a real good heart and a real good concept, concept, but very poor execution with this film. Yeah. I agree. Um... So, the only... The only, like, last note that I have is that 
until onward this um until onward was released this was the lowest grossing pixar film Mm. but onward had the excuse of coming out during a pandemic it did yeah okay um my first but no go ahead i was just gonna say that i normally all the movies that we've watched that have been low grossing i'm kind of like oh i don't really understand why or i sort of understand why but i don't think it deserves to be low grossing this one i think because i deserve it yes i get why no one talks about this movie i do as well yeah I think we've done I have it. a question before you ask your question. Okay. Go ahead. What's your favorite dinosaur, Megan? Bitch, that's my first fucking question. <laughs> oh, we're, uh, we're one. We are of the same mind. Um, we can rewind and you can ask me and we'll... No, no. It's, again. it's fine. Do you have any questions for me, Megan? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. My favorite dinosaur was the Triceratops, but that, like, wasn't a real dinosaur. That's mine! Shut up! Yes, I said the one with the hats. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Because they look like they wear little fancy hats. They do, they do. I love a Triceratops. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. That's mine, yeah. Cute. There's a... There's Triceratops at the very... uh, beginning portion of the jurassic park ride if we want to keep referencing the jurassic park of course we do yeah um my only other question was which you kind of like mentioned earlier was about how like how humans and dinosaurs would like get together like would you want to go back and see this period and like is it one of the things that you would be interested in going back if you could go to a time in the distant past like if i only had one not if you only had one but if it was like on your list at all um yeah yeah i'd go hang out see what's up as long as i wouldn't die of some sort of disease that is surely around like up in the air surely i just think about like the um, when you go to certain museums and they have kind of like the simulation of what it would be like during that time it always terrifies me for some reason like I just don't like this setting I don't like the trees and the swamps and just the general vibe and I don't think I would go back and see dinosaurs if I had the opportunity I'm good just romanticizing them in the future here it's I wouldn't say it's on, like, even my top ten list, but if I just had the option to time travel, like, freely all the time, like, yeah, sure, I'd go back. But it's, like, it's not high priority for me. What is number one on your list? Mm. I don't know. You know, there's so many... Excuse me. There's so many, like, strings attached to time travel like I would love to go back and like murder Hitler but like we're not thinking about consequences right so if there's no butterfly effect then I'd I really want to go see like my favorite people from history and just like I don't really want to get to know them because I'd probably end up hating them but I just want to see them and have like a short conversation to let them know I appreciate them like I'd go see Jane Austen I'd go figure out if Shakespeare was a real person or if it's one of the conspiracies that's a good one like shit like that 
I'd go hang out with Vikings because I really love Viking history. Um, my top priorities, sleep with JFK, see a gladiatorial oh event. <laughs> <laughs> see a what? A gladiator- gladiatorial event. The gladiators. Oh, I thought, I thought you said a gladiatorium. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think you're confusing uh, Coliseum and gladi- gladiator. <laughs> mixing those words together. Um, I would not want to see that. I would love that. I don't want to see people fucking murdered in front of me, especially if they weren't volunteers. I don't want to have them weren't. See some <laughs> people get eaten by lions? Mm, that doesn't interest me. Um, anyway, I want to share my thoughts my overall thoughts if that's okay that is okay that's what this is all about so i feel like as we've repeatedly talked about they didn't have like a good focus so like i feel like the focus of the film should have been him learning to be brave yep called the brave dinosaur right instead of the good dinosaur that's also a lazy ass fucking name to start with Right, it just and it just didn't quite connect because I feel like if they wanted to call it the good dinosaur, he should have been like a like a little bad boy, like you know, a shit, yeah, learn to be good. <laughs> but um, no, I think they just missed the mark with the bravery thing. We talked about it at the beginning with the chickens. I don't think that was a good enough thing to display that he was a coward. I think maybe the main they should have had a main villain. Because, like, it seems like the main villain of the film is, like, the weather. (laughs) Which is, doesn't make sense. But I feel like maybe they should have had the pterodactyls. I was going to say, like, if they had the the pterodactyls, like, pestering their family or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yes. Maybe the pterodactyls caused the dad's death. Like, maybe they accidentally, like, when they were picking at him or something, he fell off. Like, have that be the main thread. And then have the movie been uh arlo learning to be brave by protecting spot you know what i mean like he was forced to be brave to protect this other creature i don't know i just it didn't it didn't hit for me yeah and i would have liked to see more like buddy buddy adventure stuff like on their way back to the to the home because you can still keep the the t-rex stuff and you can still keep the weird what was it the collector what was his name the pet collector the pet collector you can still have them encounter all these weirdos on their adventure back but just have the main villains the pterodactyls still coming at them yeah i agree that's how i would change it so any final thoughts on your end um I really just thought like I agree with you and we've said repeatedly the issues throughout this and I just don't think it had enough like cutesy stuff for it to be good for kids and it just really missed the mark with adults as well like I understand why this isn't one that was um talked about a lot I get I get why it's a flop (laughs) me too so who who's our who's our hottie 
Butch. I agree. That's what I was going to say. I knew those scars would do something for you. What? Me? <laughs> um, and so what are we, what are we giving it? I'd give it a five. I would too. Um, speaking of scars, today at work, my boss and I were talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, and we were discussing how upset we are that Zuko and Katara didn't get together, and I really wanted to be like, did you want to fuck Zuko as a child too, or was that just me? <laughs> how old is your boss? Um, like 30. Okay. I feel like he probably would have been... Oh, I tell you post recording okay l anything else to close close it out before we go on to our next adventure um no (laughs) Alrighty then what are we watching next so I was talking to my cousin, my lovely cousin. I have some really great cousins. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to brag. <laughs> but they're great. And I told her about this podcast. And we were talking about the movies that we've, I've, we've watched so far. And she said the most underrated, in her opinion, was The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I realized I've only probably seen that a couple times in my life, but it's not like a recent watch. So I'm going to choose that for our next movie. All right. I've never seen it, so. Good. There's some good music in it. And uh, I think maybe I just never rewatched it because I'm shallow. <laughs> Checks out. We'll discuss that more. Um. <laughs> So yeah, Hunchback of Notre Dame. This one's for you, K Dog. <laughs> well, that's it. I guess that wraps it up. Do you see Jacob in the mirror? Yeah. Okay. Just his head. It's like a floating head. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're done now. We are done. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye.